薄いのはほhave broken down it's true we live in coronavirus but... time so what who is anybody anymore love in the time of coronavirus <laughs> yeah we all work, um, stay at home and never see each other again <laughs> um, but well when society is continuing normally i am uh in my day life a preschool teacher and then i come home and transform into <laughs> an editor and writer for anime feminist as well as the Daily Dot and my own blog, which maybe I'll update soon because actually I thought of a good article to write about Asara, which is not probably full any film length. So, see, there you go. But... <laughs> and you have plenty of time now. <laughs> yeah, now I have so much spare time because society has broken down. Because society is dead now. <laughs> I like to think that you come home and you like Sailor Moon transform and. <laughs> <laughs> I Sailor Moon transform into my pajamas. <laughs> yes, excellent. <laughs> Covered in a blanket. I mean, now we never leave our pajamas. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also the time of the year where I'm basically like permanently under a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent. So everybody who's joined us on this journey, this is the end of the journey. So if you haven't joined us in this journey before, I don't recommend you start here. Go, you have so much time now. Y'all are stuck inside. You're not allowed to see anybody. <laughs> Go read Basara. It's available digitally from Viz. You don't have to interact. It's only available digitally. No physical releases. You can't get coronavirus from it. So it's great. <laughs> Go do that. And now for people who have read these volumes, but maybe you haven't read them in a hot second. This is including me now. At this point. <laughs> I wrote a summary. <laughs> We're going to see if this uh, is helpful to jog any memories. Honestly, it'll probably still be helpful for me having just read most of these volumes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. So we start where, you know, all the other minor kings are dead. So we're focusing on King Ukon now. Except the for the、boss. white. Yes. Except for the white king,、uh, who is Ginko,、uh, who turns out to be behind most of the political machinations that have been happening. <laughs> And she just wants Shuri and Tatara to like destroy each other so she can take over, or Asuki can take over, because Asuki's been working with her this whole time.、Uh, Asuki was a spy on Tatara, so to see if、uh, she would be helpful to Ginko's plan.、Uh, Taro, who is the journalist, has been like, it focused very heavily on him, so I, I feel I have to mention him, even if in the end、mm -hmm. it's like semi inconsequential. <laughs> But, like, Taro the journalist has been discovering these plans, who, which have also been happening with a, one of the king's counselors, Hajiwara, has also been doing his own little political machinations over here. And Taro is like, What is this Project Pomegranate thing? <laughs> like, I have to, I have to warn. Names. <laughs> yeah, what, what is this? So he goes and infiltrates 
all these these places and then he he figures it out and he has like a million backup plans for when they inevitably kill him <laughs> um, he's like i'm still gonna i'm gonna get the word out you, you can't fool me i put notes in all the orifices of my body <laughs> so he does in the end manage to warn tatara's army tatara and shuri have their armies fighting each other, uh, do eventually come to an uncomfortable ceasefire where Shuri's like, did I make any of you come? I didn't make any of you come here. <laughs> like, uh, Shuri decides that the country is back. He gives back the country to the people. Um, but he loses an arm in the process fighting Ginko's assassin slash lover man, Hiragi. And then in all in all this mess, you know, Asuki is still like, hey, what's up? I am also a heir, so I'm going to go over here and <laughs> assume the throne. That does go super great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he does that. He goes back to Kyoto and, you know, but in the end, he's doing something good. He's like, round up all the people, make them my human shield. But in the end, he's doing it to make them hate all the royal lines so that when they're inevitably taken down. Nobody has any nostalgia for it. <laughs> um, Ageha decides to become an assassin and he dies because the, from the Yarugumi, like, do take him down. And also they shot Kagero, who is his owl, and that is the saddest uh, part. A real Hedwig moment. <laughs> no! Not Kagero! <laughs> that's all I... That's literally what I wrote in my notes. Like, no! No! <laughs> no! Shuri and Sarasa do reconcile, and uh, people let Sarasa be Sarasa again instead of Tatara. And the country is given to the people. And then actually, the last two volumes are just a bunch of side stories about random things. Some of them, I'm like, this should have been in the main stories. And other of them, <laughs> I'm like, why are you pretending that Nachi and uh, <laughs> Hijiri are straight? They are not. Stop it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... Hmm. The series is a little too heterosexual sometimes. Yeah, I was like, why? This is unnecessary. <laughs> I don't need this. Uh, oh, 90s shoujo. Oh, 90s shoujo. Why, why are you like this? Okay, so we did get a listener question that we shall answer now. That, that will be our first mm -hmm. thing, and then we'll do more of a... Again, I, I feel like most of this... Well, part like 20% of it was side stories, and then the rest of it was very much just like resolution... And mm. more like political stuff than themes. So cool. it was a very, very long climax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A really, really drawn out, convoluted climax. <laughs> it was like, all right. But okay. So this listener question comes from at CS Amaria L on Twitter. I'm sorry if I said it wrong. Okay, yes, I did say it wrong. I'm just going to start over. <laughs> okay. This question comes from. Uh, See Samaria L on Twitter. And I'm still sorry if I said it wrong because I'm not good at words. <laughs> um, but okay. <laughs> the question is, have you ever read another shoujo manga where a protagonist uh, loses a limb and what was your reaction? I think Basara is the first and only shoujo manga where I've seen such a thing happen. Caitlin, have you ever read one? I'm tr I've been trying to think. And I don't think I've seen it happen in shoujo. Yeah. There's a lot of shonen where characters will lose a limb. Yeah. But not not shoujo so much. Yeah, the only the only cuz I was like, yeah, the shonen examples are like pretty prominent. We all know a lot of them. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But then Star Wars <laughs> uh 
<laughs> the most shonen Star Wars shonen. is shonen, right? <laughs> yes, I agree. But yeah, thinking of shoujo stuff, the only things I could come up with were, does losing an eye in clamp manga count? I, I feel mm. like it should. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> and then the only shoujo thing I could think of, it was not a manga, was Escaflone. You see um, the main character's brother loses his arm and he, he, like, starts off without the arm in the story, but you do see, like, how and why he loses his arm throughout that yeah, story. Which yeah, which I feel like is a, a different thing, like, yeah. when they lose it before the story. And he also has a fully functional prosthetic. Yeah. I was, uh, I thought, it, I just thought it was funny in Basara when, you know, um... Kikune did eventually make a silly prosthetic for for Shuri that I was like, of course. Of course. Oh, Kikune. Yeah. The only reason that one stood out to me was because, like, yeah, you do see the backstory of how he lost his arm and all these things. But, yeah, I think it's prominent in Basara, not only because he loses his arm, which is like, okay, obviously he was the bad guy for, like, two-thirds of this manga so he needed some sort of um something really bad to happen to him like some sort of punishment when he gets his girl in the end and all that you know <laughs> he, he gets his way sort of sacrifice yeah for absolution yeah but otherwise i thought it, it was really memorable because he doesn't get a prosthetic for most of it and so he just has to live with the consequences of mm-hmm. not having an arm <laughs> um which comes up fairly frequently even though there's not that much story left there's definitely like very early like right away he's like i need to protect sarasa and then he's like draws a bow and he's like i don't have another arm to like draw the string with like so then i was like oh yeah so yeah i mean basara is definitely not a typical shoujo manga (laughs) it goes to places shoujo manga don't normally go to (laughs) in a lot of ways that's how i feel about that yeah, and you know, I I I like that, like that it is willing to sort of do something where not all of the main characters make it out alive, and the ones that do don't necessarily make it out whole and healthy. Like you know, we had Fushigi Yugi, which is the second half. It's just they drop like flies, but <laughs> it's everyone who made it through was not relatively unmaimed yeah i i chuckled because asher and i like asked him i was like have you do you have examples of shoujo manga where people lose limbs and he's like does anybody lose a limb in fy and i was like they all just die (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so talking about other major things that happen in the these volumes we must take talk about our i feel like for a manga that is about you know war Mm-hmm. And all these other tough things. There actually are very few deaths, so we shall talk about two of the major ones, though. Um, the first is Taro, who we haven't really discussed Aww. before, so how do you feel about Taro in general? <laughs> I mean, I feel like, hmm, A, he's hot when he takes off his glasses. He's so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, with, but that doesn't In like matter, a very 90s shoujo way, too. Yes. Um, like he's hot in so much as any guy in Basara is hot, which like the art does improve quite a bit by the end. Like I start being able to be like, oh yeah, he's kind of (laughs) cute. Um, as opposed to in the beginning where it's like, 
they're all just kind of funny looking yeah but like that's superficial i'm not superficial like that yes i am but i also <laughs> have more in-depth thoughts um his role as a and we talked a bit last episode about sort of the idea of uh, the press as a necessary part of freedom and a necessary mm. part of rebellion and so his role as he he was kind of always kind of an observer before like he would pop up and he would talk with uh, Ageha and then like you know disappear again but so he really kind of comes into his own in these uh in in those last chapters um and we see the importance of his of, of his role in the story and how his reporting is essential for a successful re- revolution. I also thought it was interesting how being wealthy was a necessary part. Mm-hmm. Like he he basically was only able to do that because his family is rich. Yeah. And so he has the privilege to be able to move about freely and not be restricted. And I mean, and in this world to be able to like read and write because literacy is not guaranteed in this universe. And well, to be fair, it's not guaranteed in this one either, but in our real one. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting how it was sort of the privilege his privileged way of participating in the revolution. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways that is very reflective of our real society, like, Mm -hmm. you know, working in, in publishing and having at one point wanting, wanted to be a a journalist. I'm like, yeah, the people who succeed at that are like the people whose parents can just like, you know, they're not in it for the money because there is no money. They're just like, I'm just going to, run around but they come from wealthy families who where they don't like have to worry about those yeah, things I as mean, much most career writers have wealthy spouses or some like even nowadays to to support them um it's really really hard to fully support yourself on just writing yeah um and i guess what i liked about it too was that you know this is a very extreme circumstance of a country being torn apart by war but it's like there's never a point where they try to pretend that taro should be like quote-unquote objective you know in his reporting mm. it's like he's just like yep i'm running around trying to find the truth like he's a, a muckwrecking journalist through and through he's like i'm not here to like you know get people's sides i'm just here to figure out these plots and like reveal them and like i can wow. tell that you know it's a uh, fake news fake news <laughs> fake news oh my god i would love for them to have addressed fake news (laughs) i mean they basically do there are people who are like no it can't be that it's not that bad (laughs) right (laughs) like yeah and then he's like no it is that bad they're gonna like blow up tokyo kyoto (laughs) all these things yeah i thought like taro was very interesting i feel like there's just an overarching problem with the end that I have, which is like, oh, a lot of things got introduced in these last mm-hmm. not even nine volumes because two of them are short stories. So a lot of stuff got introduced in these last seven volumes that I was like, wow, I feel like that needed actually more like run up to it uh, than was given. 
not so much with Taro because he had always been, uh, yeah, lurking in the background with his weird glasses. I'm mostly I'm fascinated by his glasses. <laughs> just <laughs> like like they don't make him look attractive, but I'm just like, is this really what glasses were like back then? Like, all right, that's interesting, interesting historical artifact here. <laughs> like, very intrigued by the physics of this. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh, Tamora was like, yeah, they're the old-fashioned ones that are stabilized against the forehead. And I'm like, is that a thing? Yeah, I was like, is that for real? Like, did I just learn a fact right now? Like, what's going on? I guess I have to go look up if that's, like, a certifiable fact later. But I'm definitely, my brain is accepting it as it right now. <laughs> like, um, I trust Tamora didn't just make that up for me. Like, oh, what if he wore these funky glasses? <laughs> <laughs> That didn't help his looks at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then Taro has a whole subplot with a, a lady who betrays him in the end. I'm like, oh my goodness, so many characters introduced <laughs> here. Why? Yeah, no, the the cast is Basara's biggest failing is that the cast is way too big. It's like Tamora was afraid to have characters play more than one role within the story. Mm. So like every time she needed something new to happen, she had to invent new characters. Oh, this reminds me of my favorite. The, the thing that happens very early on in these volumes when they're on the ship and getting attacked initially and she introduces the Sprigs or whatever. And I was like, oh, man, what is this shonen crap that you're pulling on me right now? Like, how many more characters? You just introduced, like, seven characters, and then they get killed immediately. And I was like, all right, you know what? It was worth it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, th I think that's very indicative of the problem, as you just said, where it's like, I need people to come now. So I just made up a bunch of people to come. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Hi. I will never remember these people and they were very unimportant, but thank you. Yeah, no, like that is definitely like it, it, the story kind of sags under the weight of all the characters. Yeah, but one who is very important, who is also the, the death person is Ageha. No, I mean, we uh, knew it from the start, but yeah, no. he was he was doomed from the beginning. <laughs> Always There's doomed. just no getting around it. Okay, but can we talk about how his death is a little weird and crazy? <laughs> I mean, everything was weird and crazy at that point. I mean, yeah, but the whole thing where it's like, I'm trying to stop blocks from moving to make sure that the castle doesn't collapse on itself because a previous king designed it that way. I was like, are we in a video game right now? Like, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, it was... It's funny, but just like what? I no, but legitimately because you know I'm I might be more upset about his owl. No, no, the Kagero dying just seemed a little. I mean, they went out together, but had to go out together. Just, it seemed unfair. It was unfair. It was unfair. Yeah, just I think Ageha becomes an assassin. Yeah, it's real. Like I think Ageha ha does have like a really good arc. Sort of seeing him. Also, okay, to be superficial again, his hair <laughs> grown out looked a little bit better this volume. Um, oh, you I'm got sorry. used to it. I'm you were such, like, I'm such a superficial bitch. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the worst. I, I'm the worst. But like, you know, he has reconciled 
what he wants Sarasa to be with who she is in his own like his own place in the revolution and that is sort of when he is able to take that last like play that last role and to to accept that she is the woman worth dying for that her revolution is what he is meant to die for so it was i mean it was sad i didn't want him to die he was still one of my favorite characters but that was that was it for Ageha. Yeah. I liked it because, yeah, again, in the beginning of the story, it's kind of like Ageha is this mythical person who comes and goes as he pleases. And, you know, he is like the wind of which they, his people are of and everything. And but then by the end, it's like, oh, no, he is very firmly not a mythical person anymore. He's just like losing it more and more in other ways. Like, um, you know, he, he sees Shido's dad at one point being like a senile old man where he's like your son is dead or whatever and he's like no my son is like great a great man and he's coming back someday mm-hmm. and Nageha is just like mm, okay he has to face the man that abused him <laughs> yeah horribly and then he's like I have to talk to him about his son who I have very complicated feelings about <laughs> and all these things um, and he meets up with his rapist again randomly in Kyoto from the from the prison. He's like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, Ayuha, let's go have a good time again. Yeah, who's just like, oh, hey, hey, like, I really enjoyed that non-consensual sex we had. Yeah. And- Want to go have some consensual sex? <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, no, I don't like you, dude. I love that he literally just, like, grabbed his balls and was like, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Akeha is very much, like, he, he, I mean, as, like, because he, he is an ethnic minority, like, he is part of a marginalized people. And so, like, the the people with power are, like, always, like, stepping, oh, like, stepping all over him. And then they expect him to be like, yeah, it's cool that you stepped all over me. Let's chill. And they're so confused when he's like, I super resent you for this. But he also has like more complex feelings towards the people who treated him with kindness while also being his oppressor. It's a yeah. uh, yeah, No, it's interesting within he he is interesting within that context. Yeah. And I, I like the progression of like, you know, the reader thinks that he's like so cool and calm and uncomplicated. And then as it goes along, it's like, no, he's. He's losing it. (laughs) He's a traumatized mess. Yeah. And his like his nature makes it so that he is not someone he's not the kind of person who who stands up forthright and faces the enemy. He is someone who works in the shadows. He has always been that kind of person. And he just kind of embraces it in that last bit. And he dies in the shadows. Yeah, that's that. And that's that. Oh, yeah. I forgot that Taro became a fly. This just reminded me that Taro became a fly. His soul got embedded in a fly. Uh, I mean, a fly on the wall. I know. I was like, that's actually... It's both like, it was the fly on the wall bit plus, like, flies signaling that, like, a lot of trash is around and everything, like, being attracted Mm -hmm. to that stuff. I was like, oh, it's it's pretty good. I can can accept this weird, wild fantasy thing that's just happening right here. Yeah. Those are those are our dead boys now. Yeah. 
R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yeah, so the other big player who rises up in these volumes is Ginkgo. And this is where I feel like the biggest missed opportunity is here. Yeah. Especially in the beginning when Ginkgo's story is introduced, I was like, wait, what's going on? Like in the whole backstory chapter, I was like, who is what now? It took me so long to like piece it all together and everything. And I was like, I feel like there's so many interesting things that could happen here with like, in the end, it's a story of a power struggle between two women who, you know, within the constraints as we are told of the society are not supposed to have power. Like that's whole Ginkgo's Mm -hmm. whole problem almost is that she's like, well, I couldn't have power like my brothers could have it where like they rule over stuff. And then my father also like sabotaged my love life entirely in like two different ways. So now I'm just like out to get revenge on everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't have proper use of my legs anymore from that traumatic accident and everything. And I'm just like, wow. And then you got, you know, Sarasa pretending to be her brother and everything. And I was like, all right, but what? They're both women who have to, like, both as women, they have to work behind men yeah, in order to have any kind of power. And it's interesting, like, because in the one of the author's notes, like, tomorrow was like, yeah, women can't hold any kind of actual power in this world. And so I feel like there's something to be said about soft power or i don't know Mm. i haven't fully formed that thought but um the way that power actually works and the i am so y'all i am piecing this out in real time (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna let you do that (laughs) um but the um the resentment of of people who of the powerless who grasp at power however they can Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting about Ginko, who was powerless, who desired power, who all of her machinations were basically to gain power, versus Tatra, who had power thrust upon her. Mm-hmm. So is 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 that like a statement? Like you shouldn't desire power in general, and thus only people who don't want power are the ones who should have it. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty typical uh plot line through things i think where it's like yeah all, you know that's the whole thing with hajiwara too the the counselor dude who's also mm-hmm. making all these weird plans that like he just doesn't even know what to want so then he's like okay well i i need to want the one thing i can't have which is like to be king basically yeah that dude sucks yeah and then he's, you know, chasing that the whole time. And it's just like, what are you? Are you even a person? You just like <laughs> want this thing so bad. Um, but yeah, just in general, I'm like, uh, there's so many. There's like a lot of parallels between Ginkgo and Sarasa. I felt, uh, you know, in that like Ginkgo, part of Ginkgo's problem is that her father ends up like destroying where she had lived with her husband, like killing her husband because he thinks that in the end... Uh, all he's doing is is trying to get power from from the king like his his people are just trying to rise through the ranks by marrying his daughter and everything and you know Sarasa's homeland gets destroyed and they're not allowed to have the boys that they're they they really want because mm-hmm. um Ginko was actually in love with her 
assassin assassin Hiragi. Hiragi or Kakehito was his first name, <laughs> his original name or whatever. And yeah, but the, it just felt so like Ginkgo comes out of of nowhere, so it was really hard to mm-hmm. to grasp her as like the one with like true power behind everything that had already been happening, like manipulating people behind the scenes. Yeah, like she's introduced awfully late for the person who was actually in power the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um there are like there are kind of I mean, I feel like there's a little bit of foreshadowing early on, especially with stuff with Asagi, but it does it's it's such a sprawling story. Yeah. Like I'd have to read it again in quick succession, which I'm not ready for. Yeah. Um <laughs> But we'll 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 see next time I read it. Maybe I'll retain a little bit more. Yeah, it's definitely it's not like yeah. It's like I I know that it was seated, mm-hmm. but then just like the amount of importance that she got at the end, I was like, oh, I don't yeah. feel like that was <laughs> yeah. uh, you know really at play. Just like all show, just all women versus women. Oh, in the end, <laughs> always just women versus women. It's just so uh, no. funny that this world is like women can't really have power, and then it's like, why are all the badasses women? <laughs> like, right? Well, it's like there's Tatara, you know, there's Sarasa who is pretending to be a boy, and there's Ginko who is basically pulling the strings from behind the throne, manipulating a different boy. Yeah, yeah. and like there's Cha Cha who's a pi- literally a pirate. <laughs> Yuna, who's like from a different country. Oh, I wish we had gotten to see more of Yuna in these volumes. Oh yeah, like we barely like she has like she's in like two panels. Yeah, and I think yeah the thing is that like there are lots of different women wielding lots of in lots of different positions with different kinds of power, but without direct power, like it's sort of it always has to be kind of subterfuge or outside of the realms of of the law mm-hmm. so i think it was actually like pretty effective that way i think that was was part of the point was that the powerless will always grasp at some kind of power and find ways to achieve it but those are it's always going to be messed up if the power is not equal yeah I love that in the end, you know, they do this whole revolution and then, you know, it it basically ends where you're like, okay, the future is uncertain, though. But mm-hmm. then in side stories, we get stories where it's like, oh, nope, this did not work. They could not agree on, like, <laughs> yeah, government things, that like uh, a central government. So they all just wander off on their own. But it is all mostly like the dudes at the end, mm-hmm. I think, except for the Black Kings, uh wife who they like set up as a a, a the highest level dignitary for that ter- territory mm-hmm. or whatever uh but otherwise it's like all the dudes that you know sarasa had basically been leading yeah are the ones who take over and i'm like maybe mm. you guys should have thought about this more just like a little bit more sarasa and shuri before you ran away <laughs> before you yeah <laughs> on your adventures they did kind of just like leave things in the lurch just like well we've done our part yeah, and they're like, Later. we have no greater ideas, even though it's like both of them have proven, especially Shuri, he basically, he ran a city before, like he mm-hmm. definitely had the leadership skills and they're both just like, nah. 
We were the charismatic leaders, and now we're going to take off. And now we're get, we're piecing to Europe or whatever they did at the end there where the Hayato met their kids. I was like, all yeah. right. I mean, it is fair in showing that, like, the transition po- of power is not a smooth one. Yeah. It is, like no matter how much work you do during a revolution, it's going to be really, really hard to get that next step and get it stable. Um, So I appreciate that that was not something that was like, just like easily resolved. I actually really liked a lot of the side stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay, we can talk um, about the side stories now. I, I liked that it sort of addresses Shuri's PTSD and feeling kind of broken and useless and how Sarasa is trying to be supportive but it is just as damaging to him and she doesn't really understand how to handle it because it's not simple dealing with someone who's been through the kinds of thing that Sherry has and having like lost an arm lost his power gone through an incredible personal transformation of worldviews like it's nor like it's natural that he's feeling kind of lost and powerless and that's not something that's simple to deal with and even when you want to be supportive you can end up being more doing more damage than good and i really appreciated that that was sort of depicted that way that sarasa desperately loved him and desperately wanted to help him but didn't really know how to do that instead of just sort of a pat well the power of our love is going to carry us through this uh, we'll love each other and support each other, so we'll be just fine. No, like, no. it's hard. It's yeah. hard. And the new government, the transition of power is hard. And Hayato is disillusioned. And so he takes off. And it still ends on this, like, lovely, hopeful note where Sarasa and Shuri have had their, have had their twins and... They are traveling around and they're figuring out new ways of doing things. I think it's really interesting that Europe is one country now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I, I, I really liked it. And honestly, I like that they kind of put the denouement in separate side stories um, mm. because because I feel like it would have been a little bit too much like coming right at you if it had been come directly afterwards. Um, I feel like the structure actually worked really well. So, hmm. yeah. No, I, I, I liked it a lot. Mm, it's a very, like, very satisfying sort of last bit. Uh, I intellectually agree with everything you just said, but, like, mm-hmm. emotionally reading them, I was like, eh, okay. <laughs> like, were you just mad that they were trying to convince us that uh, Hijri and... Is it Nachi or Nakijin? Which one is... Which? Uh, Nachi is it's Nachi and Hijiri, and then Nakajin is Shuri's. Okay, it's like. hard hard to keep track. Sometimes. I know. <gasps> okay, <laughs> like were you just mad that that they were trying to convince us that Hijiri and Nachi were straight? I mean, it was definitely aggravating. I was like, <laughs> "What is this stupid side story?" Like, first of all, what is happening? No, yeah, they got two side stories, didn't they? There wasn't no, it was one long one that went back into their past too. And I was like, ugh, <laughs> what is happening? I do love that Nachi loves animals. Yes, that's like, true. He, trying to rescue all the elephants. He's like, yes, I brought the elephants. <laughs> <laughs> Kumano has elephants now. <laughs> yes. They're like, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think also 
I wanted the one, like the story with Ginko and Asagi, like about his birth and like the trauma that she experienced under King Uka, not just all the stuff that we got in the story, but like that mm-hmm. he like raped her and Asagi is, you know, the child of the two of them, which makes Oof. her both his sister and his mother. And I'm like, whoa, that's Very, like, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Very Oedipal in a like reverse Oedipal. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I feel like that one is important enough to have been again in the main story. <laughs> like way more potential for that there. So maybe like set aside some of the like multi-volume huge battle and spent some more of that time on these other characters instead. Yeah, like mm-hmm. less uh about Shuri's brilliant plan to liquidate all the rich people's funds by spending extravagantly on <laughs> <laughs> elephants and <laughs> whatever, diverting water in a week <laughs> and more like tax the billion you know, I mean it does I mean that is proven economic relief to tax the wealthy and uh, use government projects to give that money to other people. Like that—that that is something that works. I mean, doesn't make yeah, the most no. exciting reason reading, but <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, man, that was great plotting and everything. But also, Ginkgo is the one who's like, if we're in here, <laughs> um, and then the side story where that was in the past, or like, I guess, I guess there were two or something in the past, but the ones that were in the past, I was like, all right, you know what? I think the sprawling cast thing is making this hard being like, Oh, I'm supposed to have fun, like picking out who's each other's parents mm-hmm. and like all these things. And I was like, eh, <laughs> I just don't really care. <laughs> Except for like Hayato's were very obvious, but I was like, eh, otherwise I don't really care. I agree that Shuri and Sarasa, like, I I like the parts with Shuri and Sarasa. I think I was like, I'm a little tired of all these, like, political things. Like, now we're introduced to a new country and, like, a new silly child. And I was like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was just like, I read them all and I was like, well, I mean, nowhere near as epic as the, as the main story. So. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I like that kind of quieter, character-focused stuff. Yeah. But no, I definitely like... Um, yeah, because Asher had read these all b- before me, too. Like, he just had a day where he was like, I just blitzed through, like, half of the sorrow. I was like, all right, are you, is your brain okay now? Like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I have to make sure. Um, and then he was like, yeah, some of the side stories are silly. But then he definitely pointed out the... Sarasa and Shuri ones as being like, no, those are definitely worth it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Those were really good. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I also particularly like stories about like trauma and recovery and dealing with loss. So, like, that is the Shuri one, the one with Sarasa and Shuri, like, definitely is particularly relevant to my interests, I guess. No, definitely. Yeah. The way that that was handled. Like, even with him walking into the ocean and then Sarasa being afraid that he was, like, going to drown himself instead of doing, you know, an innocuous activity, I was like, I've actually, like, kind of had this moment with a friend who, like, used to be suicidal and then we were, like, in Atlantic City at night and we were walking on the beach, but then she started, like, going into the ocean. I was like, no, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, come here. (laughs) Like, stop. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, it just felt, you know, cause everything else is pretty fantastical and everything. It was like, okay, yes, this feels like a quieter, like much more realistic, like humanizing moment for both of them. Mm-hmm. It felt weird reading the stuff about the red plague with oh. every, all the coronavirus <laughs> stuff going on. It felt really strange. Yeah. Just like, ah, ha, ha, you've been infected. The incubation period is three days. And I'm just like, oh, well, coronavirus isn't quite that serious for most people. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah, all right, infected. Yeah, I had I had read the stories before coronavirus got very serious in America in particular. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a different uh, flavor of <laughs> I would read that much differently now being like, mm. yeah, I feel like the only other really big thing aside from doing obviously shipping corner would be to talk more about Asagi <laughs> and oh, Asagi. Oh, man, he gets he feels almost like the protagonist in these last few volumes more than sarasa Mm. like because he is the one who is getting all of like sarasa has become who she needs to be for this climax Mm. um but asagi is still still waffling a little bit yeah still still waffling like he is the one who is going to get these those last bits of character development in the end like he is the one who the ending is like the climax is really hinging on like where he decides he lies with his loyalties and mm. what's important to him. So I thought that was really interesting how like and I wonder if it was mapped out or if Tamura ended up just really enjoying writing Asagi. <laughs> she definitely has a soft You can spot tell for him. she does. Yeah. <laughs> Like, all the side stories about him are so uh, silly and, and loving, and it's like, all right, you love this dude? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can tell that, like, he's probably one of her favorite characters to write. And so, like, I think, wonder if it was deliberate or if it was just sort of, like, her giving her favorite character, ha- kind of handing it off to him because that was who she wanted to sort of write, having those final moments. Um, not that it's bad like it all like made sense narratively Mm -hmm. and characterization but yeah no I thought that was really interesting yeah because in the end he's like you know he had been ginkgo spy but then basically he becomes like very critical to Sarasa winning any of the battles because he's very good tactician and everything and he has lots of skill or whatever Mm -hmm. Hiragi's always giving him crap for like not being passionate, but being very skilled, technically. Yeah, and then, you know, it's fun because, again, Asher reading it, he was like, I hate Oski, I hate Oski, I hate Oski. Okay, fine. In the end, he has a pretty good redemption arc. So, like, Like, but it doesn't give him enough crap for all the stuff he did before. Like, it's not... (laughs) Right, Uh, well, Sarasa would say that what he did before doesn't matter anymore because what matters is who he is now. Yep, yep. And I love that when he's like, who do you choose, me or Shuri? She's like, you. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, my friends. Yeah. My friends are more important than that schmuck over there. <laughs> he's fighting with me right now. How can you ask me this question? <laughs> uh, and Oski, you know, in the end, it's one of those things where he, he is the, the ploy between the two women being Sarasa and Ginko, but then he mm. could have just assumed power. Like, he's like, yeah, I could have just actually been king. 
and used all my skills to, I could have taken you all down in one fell swoop. <laughs> and he's like, nah. He's like, I'm a good boy now. <laughs> yeah. No, and yeah, like there's a very strong, like sort of thematic the through line of uh, redemption and becoming who you need to be. Mm-hmm. And like trans, like transformate, like personal transformation. Like Shuri changes a lot from when he met Sarasa and Asagi does. It just the whole thing, like like no, we still need to keep ruining the royal family. We really yeah. need people to hate the royal family. Like it just kept going. Yeah. Oh. We, how many more ways can we make them hate us? I mean, he did have a good point about like, no, like if we like don't go out on an absolute the worst note possible, people are going to become nostalgic for us and it's going to get bad again. Like, that's true. That was so real. I was like, wow. (laughs) Because, yeah, I think a lot of stories don't take into account. Yeah. Like the nostalgia that immediately happens when something bad goes down and you forget past badnesses. Unless they were, like, mm-hmm. really, really bad. <laughs> Running into the arms of your shitty ex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This does remind me of actually the most irritating thing to me in these volumes was was when Shuri was, like, talking to his army. And he was like, I didn't make any of you follow me. I I asked for that's volunteers. That's not how power works, Shuri. That's not, that's not how power works, Shuri. But then also the way that those people replied... Like, one of the soldiers was literally like, well, how were we supposed to know? We've never, like, thought for ourselves. And I was like, okay. <laughs> underlying, like, that would definitely be the underlying reason for why things happened. But nobody would just say yeah, that. No. Like, <laughs> come on. No, no one's going to, like, just admit that. Yeah, nobody's going to be like, I'm a stupid head who's never thought for myself before. <laughs> it was not something people say that's something people say in retrospect oh i was only following orders yeah yeah like people people like to believe in their own free will generally (laughs) yeah like i was like people like to think that they're smarter than people in power all the time like we're always like if i had this power i would do this instead you know (laughs) like this is very natural human things i feel or I'm licking the boot because it's delicious, not because <laughs> I have to. Yeah. Uh, so I just didn't find, like, the whole dynamic between uh, some of the army people, like, completely believable. I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. Um, the other hard thing I, I found hard to take was, like, Kaku. Like, I know she tried to spin it as in the end he was also doing, like, an Asagi thing where he was like, no. I just needed people to make sure like <laughs> like that Sarasa could then be Sarasa in the end and run off with Shuri happily ever after. But I was just like, Kaku, I'm pretty sure you just legitimately wanted her to kill Shuri. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Like, you can want Shuri to die. Like, you can hate him. He did some really messed up stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, like... There is stuff that, like, logistically didn't work, but this just, like, certain moments were so powerful. Just, like, Sarasa crying and being like, can I please be Sarasa again? Just let me be Sarasa now. Yeah, I also really did like the moment where, um, with Oski, where, yeah, she's like, I choose you. And then he runs off and she's like, doesn't trust him. So she follows him being like, what are you doing? Are you betraying me? And then he's like, no, I'm helping you. And she's like, oh, 
I yeah. disproved myself. I didn't trust you. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aski. Now I trust you. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I did like the stuff with Taro, too, in the end. <laughs> Aski, or no, and then Ageha with his, like, shirt off covered in blood in that in that one panel. I was like, all right, Ageha, the assassin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, but now it is time for the all-important, the most important segment, obviously, <laughs> Shipping Corner. <laughs> because that is, of course, the most important part of an epic war drama. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Uh, okay. So how did you feel Ichimasu and Kikune was still a, a thing that, you know, was mostly Ichimasu being like, Kikune, pay I attention mean- to me. I mean, they would be like, I feel like I would like them if I got to know them more, but there's too many characters. So like, (laughs) they seem, they seem cute. They seem to love each other. They seem like, like a fun, goofy couple, but yeah, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I was like, Kikuna didn't seem into this though. Yeah. Then there was... Taro and Hachio. Hachio was the woman who betrays him in the end. Uh, was basically just somebody he slept with, but then, you know, in the end, tried to, like, protect her, being like, did I ever love you? No! Mm-hmm. And the Yaragumi are like, okay, you definitely love this shit. <laughs> like, and she's all like, he didn't love me, and they're like, you're so dumb. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> and I was like, ugh. Ugh. <sighs> I hope the lay was worth it, Taro. <laughs> yeah. Taro, I hope it was all worth it. Oh, he got his head chopped off and everything. Yeah. It, was a little, it was a little grotesque, yeah. I, I mean, when... No, in the moment where it happened, I was like, Taro, just say you love her before you run away. No, now she's going to try to kill you. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Why did you do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard, Taro. <laughs> He's all like, love you. I have bigger problems now. Thanks. (laughs) Ugh. Okay. Hijiri and Nachi. I mean, the one true, the one true pairing in this, right? Yeah. Best couple. Definitely not straight. Definitely not straight. No heterosexual explanation for this. No. Don't bring in mermaids to try to make this weird. No. (laughs) They love each other. That is the end. They're going to live happily ever after together, riding elephants. and Yeah. And dolphins. And dolphins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love when they were like, the dolphins have bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was so ridiculous. But I think that's something that like actual countries have tried to do. What? Yeah. Let me see. Let me look this up. You're like, <laughs> dolphin bombs. <laughs> I love this is going to be in your Google search history now. <laughs> Bomb dolphins. Military marine mammal. Wikipedia. Oh, dang. A military marine mammal is a cetacean or pinniped that has been trained for military uses. Yeah. Uh, Russia tried to do it. What? Or the USSR tried to do it. I feel like I've learned so much from Basra. Yeah. Uh, the US tried to use it for defense. I'm just imagining us like being like dolphins. Take your positions. Let your bombs go off if anybody ever um, like around oh the perimeter of the U.S. Just like... This is the, ber- the best sentence I've ever read in my entire life. Oh, my God. 
Seals are considered better suited than belugas for military use in polar conditions due to their high professionalism and ability to learn, retain, and understand coral oral commands. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> this podcast is now amazing. We've taught you all so much right now. <laughs> Seal high professionalism. <laughs> high professionalism. Oh my God, that's the best thing. Giving Nazis elephants a run for their money. <laughs> oh my God. Incredible. <laughs> uh, experiments were conducted to determine whether belugas could be used to guard entrances to naval bases in Arctic regions. Oh my god, I love it. And assist deepwater divers and if necessary, kill any strangers who enter their territory. Um, but apparently belugas are not very good at it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're fired, belugas. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, listen, who can be intimidated by a beluga after that Raffi song? <laughs> God. I feel like we should just end now. Like this is this we're not gonna get anywhere better in this fucking <laughs> All right, fine, we'll finish out those shipping <laughs> Um there's Cha Cha and Zaki, but honestly they have they've taken up such a back seat in the Yeah. They didn't really get to do much in the in these volumes. Yeah, their whole uh thing was like in volumes one through nine, basically. Mm-hmm. And I do have to say that I was disappointed with that with Hayato, too. Like, Hayato took a, a pretty severe yeah. backseat throughout most of this manga. Yeah, I appreciated, like, his last bit of side story. I like. I also like this, like, oh, Hayato looks like a grown-up now. I know, right? <laughs> but, like, very naturally so. Like, I was like, yeah, like Hayato. He, he still looks like Hayato, but he looks like, you know, like, Hayato was like a shoulders and a jawline yeah yeah i was like oh hi in the beginning i was mildly confused because he goes by a different name he goes by shun and i was like yeah. but isn't it hayato and then i was like oh yes okay this is the point okay so actually let's talk about uh ginko and hiragi slash kakuhito okay you know what the other problem with this story i think i had in the end was that i was like i'm a little sick of everybody having like two people that they are so who is kakuhito Okay, they're the same person. I just don't care anymore. You know, like I mean, that's because hmm. that that's something that is common in like older Japanese stuff. Like mm-hmm. people have their their like the name that they were given as child, and then their adult names, and then also like their public names. Yeah, um, because people don't call them by their given names in private, except like in private like in super trusted relationships so like that feels like a cultural thing to me Mm. yeah i think just by the time it came into play i was like i'm tired (laughs) um so the thing that i i really (laughs) so in their in their story where kaki he does like i'm sorry but ever since you know ever since this time i've been impotent all i have is my skill and then in the like the little like comic oh yeah it's like it's okay skill is all that matters yeah oh my goodness (laughs) i love i did really love all her like sillier side yeah comics and you know what you know what i appreciate about that Mm. that's something that uh prioritizes uh female pleasure yeah you know saying that you know even if he's impotent he can still, he, he can still, still do a good job in bed. Yeah, 
<laughs> yep. Oh, man. Dicks yeah. are not the end-all be-all of sex. Yep. It's true. Except then, yeah, in the end... Man, poor Ginkgo, man. <laughs> she deserves all that pleasure. <laughs> so it was funny, but also sex positive. Sex positive. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> yeah. But Ginkgo and Hiragi in real comic. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough one. This is definitely a rough one. And again, where I was like, okay, I feel like the parallels should really be drawn out more between Ginkgo you know, being like, my lover did this terrible thing to my other lover. <laughs> and now I hate him. And, you know, Sarasa and Shuri being like, ah, we've done terrible things to each other. But we still love each other? Oh no, how how navigate? Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they took very different um, approaches <laughs> in uh, getting over or not <laughs> that, that part of themselves. Yeah, obviously, uh, Ginko and Kakihito, not, not good by the time they could be together. Very bad. Yeah. I guess Ageha and so many people <laughs> that he has, again, complicated feelings about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't ship Ageha with anyone. Yes, he's too much of a free spirit for that. <laughs> well, that, and also, like, he is too messed up in the head. Yeah, for a for a decent relationship like that. Like yeah, we, I mean we we talked a lot about his relationship with Sarasa last time. Like we don't really need to. Yeah, we don't need that. We don't need to rehash that. Do you think that he liked Senju? Did I make up these vibes? I I didn't get that sense. Okay, he definitely liked Shido. Apparently, um, yeah. Yeah, there was a weird. Vi- there was a vibe in that side story. I mean, yeah, they they kiss, right? I was like, wait a minute, we didn't. No, about- Tamora said in one of her notes, it's like, no, it wasn't actually a kiss. Like, sorry, I drew it away. No, like, no, you're right, but Ageha like imagined it. But yeah, no, like he loves and hates Shido. He loves and hates Shido, very, very much. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, we didn't talk about Ageha's side story. I felt, I mean, Ageha's side story overall was worth it. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was one of the stronger ones. Definitely one of the stronger ones. I don't know how much grounding there is in like his his relationship with sex being healed by that girl. <laughs> yeah. It was very it was sweet not- how he was like how she was like, there is nothing in common with what you're doing now and what that guy did to you. Like what that pervert mm. did to you. Yeah. Like these are two completely different things. Yeah. I appreciated the sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that's like actually something, but it was it was sweet. I like seeing young Ageha um and all of his the less tragic parts of his backstory and then also which also of course became tragic because <laughs> he can't have nice things. He can't have nice things, no. <laughs> seeing him as like a beautiful 20-year-old or whatever. Yeah. It's like I liked his side story, but at the same time I feel like I didn't want it. You were you were happy with what the main story gave you? Yeah, like I feel like it was like I'm gonna keep explaining more about Ageha and make it more overt. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't need that though. Like, <laughs> you know? Mm. Yeah. I could see that. Um I guess we have to talk about Sarasa and her uh 
king king boys that love her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know what? I realized while you were talking, and it shocked me profoundly to my core, is Asagi is basically Domyoji from Boys Over Flowers. You know, I have never read Boys Over Flowers, oh. so do I have to leave my podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me to be on your Boys Over Flowers cast because you've told me before that you want to get people who like these. I know. See, this is why I'm like, I feel like I should do Boys Over Flowers because it's so big. But then I've heard such mixed things about it. And I'm like, "Mm." find someone who likes it. I'm sure you can. I'm sure these people are out there. Y'all, y'all, you know, Shout out in the replies if you want to do Boys Over Flowers cast with Ashley. Yeah. But... I'm not a big fan. Yeah. Well, someone out there will know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. Okay, yes. I'm I'm also sure of this. Yeah. So right. thanks, Oski, making us talk about great things right here. <laughs> <laughs> but like I do feel like in an in a different shoujo manga, like he would be the romantic lead, right? Like the one who's like t- really like twisted and messed up and it's up to the main character to be like you're actually a very gentle and kind person and like he gets all like handsy with her when she's he's not supposed to and you know luckily in basara she's like oh my god that was so like messed up and terrifying and what the hell yeah but in you know in a different shoujo manga she would be like my heart is beating so fast oh my god he's so He's so handsome. And- <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway. Oh, my heart is going doki doki. No, oh, yeah. I'm crying because okay. I'm so overwhelmed. It's not because I'm scared. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Did the um Yeah, not because I'm scared. <laughs> exactly. Uh did the do you did you get romantic vibes from the one the the remaining four virtues that stayed with him even in the side stories? The, uh, the- Muratake? Yes, Muratake. I was like, I can't a little remember. bit. It felt a little bit more like parental, though. A little bit more of a care, like a caretaker sort of thing. Yeah, I think the problem was I couldn't get a read on Muratake because I also felt it with like Nachi, right? Because like Muratake and Nachi have this whole thing where Muratake is like, oh, I gotta be nice to this doofus because like we helped each other out once and I like owe him stuff. And then I'm like, do you like Nachi? Like, no, but you get embarrassed around him when he's all like, hey, thanks, Muratake, what's up? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we're buddies. <laughs> That's not an accurate representation of Nachi. <laughs> I think that was oh a perfect gosh, Nachi impression. You. That was beautiful. If they ever make a Basara, like a new Basara anime and they dub it, they should have Nachi. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Oh I've got a perfect read on Nachi. We're talking not so <laughs> Nachi. I mean, yeah, Nachi was like a California server, server <laughs> accent. <laughs> Pretty much, it, it's canon. It's canon now. Canon, canon. I've made it so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, oh, Murasaki and Asagi could be a thing. I don't know. I, I could see it. Obviously, Sarasa and Shuri. Um, they're good. We support. They have cute, weird children. Mm-hmm. Weird children who are allowed to wander around the country by themselves. All right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Thing. Sure. Why not? Uh, who am I to criticize their parenting? <laughs> who am I? I don't have kids. I don't have kids. Yeah, it's true. 
I don't know anything about parenting, so good good not being helicopter parents on you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's Basara. Did we did we miss anything? No. I think we got it. We did it. We made it to the end of twenty seven volumes of political machination. <laughs> we did it. We survived. Woo All right. Until another year from now, Caitlin, when we decide to do a 40-volume manga. <laughs> and it won't be Boys That Were Flowers. <laughs> That's all no. I know. Even though that is a long one. It is a long one, I know. See? It'd be the logical choice in that regard. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed these three episodes about Basara. So <laughs> thanks for listening to all three of those episodes. Children tell. Comments, questions, constructive criticism, concerns. You tell us why you love Basara so much. Email showjointel at gmail.com or leave a comment on showjointel.com slash basara3. We're at showjointel on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Caitlin, where can people find you and your work on the internet? They can find my Twitter at altsoon underscore nodere. Um, they can find my work on Anime Feminist and on The Daily Dot. And look out for that Basara article, which I definitely will write because I have so much free time now because I'm home for two weeks uh, on a heroinproblem.com. Heroin with an E. Yeah, I mean, I definitely support the writing of this article. You read 27 volumes of shoujo manga. You might as well get <laughs> some writing out of it. Um, yeah. Are you excited every time you see a new episode from us? If so, please consider leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts. This will help the podcast reach more hearts, or at least ears. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next time to discuss the short series Meteor Prince by Mecha Tanaka, and that episode will be with Asher. So stay tuned until then. Bye. Bye.